Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome in to the Monday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac. I'm Dan McLaughlin. As always, our producer, Colin Surrey. And on the program this morning, Cardinals lefty Austin Gomber. What is he doing to get ready for a potential season? Playing without fans? The night he nearly pitched a no-hitter. Let's get into that, too, and what Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright have meant to his career. To visit with Austin Gomber coming up. All right, let's start this morning, Colin, with live sports on our TVs yesterday. Did you watch any of it? I did get a chance to catch a little bit of the NASCAR. I saw some of the golf highlights afterwards. That was the extent that I got to see some of the live stuff. But it was nice to have it back, Danny. It was. It was a NASCAR event and then the charity golf event, as you mentioned. I watched both uh, with keen interest in what it's like without fans. What did you think? Wasn't the same, but it worked and it worked out fine. And I'll start with NASCAR. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. I'm not a huge NASCAR fan, okay? I'm just not. I know it's, you know, some people like it. That's great. It's just not my cup of tea. However, the use of drones was sensational during the telecast watching on television. Really did enhance the viewing experience. And as far as the drivers, a totally different experience. Jimmy Johnson. As a driver, I cannot even come face-to-face with any of my crew members. And that's the same for all the drivers. We're in our own little bubble, bubble, our own little compartment. Uh, The teams are isolated from one another. Teams are isolated from NASCAR officials, from the television partners, from the radio partners, and so on. So uh, there's been a lot of thought and effort put into this. And so much so that state officials and health officials have uh, deemed it safe and ready to let us go. Bottom line, nice to have it back. A live event on our televisions. Progress, movement in the right direction. The sport that I think, though, will be fine without the crowd. And that experience of being on the golf course will be the sport of golf. Now, do I want to see crowds? Reaction to the players that feed off the crowd. Jay Delsing telling us, yeah, golfers definitely do. And I want to see that, too. However, this is an opportunity to take the viewer into the sport. And I did love seeing the players mic'd up. I love the interviews as they walk down the fairway. And here's what it told me, Colin, is that as I watched, if there's going to be sports, there's got to be some give on the part of the players to bring the fan in as we move forward. It's a different experience. I understand they may not like it. These are unusual times, but it's kind of like the XFL. I think some of the broadcast aspects of what they did were sensational. Now, do I think that uh, Bill Belichick is going to be, you know, interviewed in the middle of a game? Nope. Again, these are unique times, and you have to make the most of it. Rory McIlroy after the event. Yeah, I'm really proud. You know, it's, um, look, it's a huge effort from everyone involved to, to put this event on, but... Obviously, Jimmy Don, the club president. Uh, obviously, I have ties to this golf club with my dad being a member. Um, but with TaylorMade, um, who sponsor all of us, United Health Group, who are a partner of mine, uh, you're really proud to just be a part of an event to to entertain people at home for us on a Sunday afternoon, but also to raise money for for people who really need it. Obviously, DJ and I plan for the American Nurses Foundation, and uh, you know the. Ricky and Matt plan for the CDC Foundation. So, you know, hopefully we've raised a lot of money for both, you know, two really good causes. And, uh, you know, hopefully everyone at home enjoyed it. It did. A lot of money. I enjoyed it. Millions raised. And it showed that sports can move on. Now, on to baseball. We're hearing more and more about the proposal that MLB gave the players. And it's incredibly detailed with safety guidelines. 
We talked about it with Randy and Michelle. It's huge. Players coming to the ballpark dressed in their uniforms. No showers after games. Uh, team personnel banned from eating at restaurants on road trips. No high fives, no spitting. And there was plenty more. 67 pages worth in this draft. Jeff Passan of ESPN. Baseball as we know it is going to change. Now, it's going to change in really small ways sometimes, Hannah. You're not allowed to spit. You're not allowed to have sunflower seeds on the field. One thing that got a really visceral reaction was the, the point that we will discourage players from showering after the game. That didn't go over well, and the MLBPA as well as Major League Baseball executives are going to have their chance to voice some of those concerns, and it can be everything as simple as, hey, we want to take a shower after the game, to, hey, it doesn't exactly say what happens to me if I test positive on the road. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. But, hey, it's progress. It's back and forth. It's negotiating. Can this plan truly be done? Major League Baseball feels like this plan needed to be as detailed as it is, not just to get players back and have them feel safe and feel like they're in a healthy environment, but because public health commissioners and local health officials are going to have to rubber stamp any plan that Major League Baseball has to come back if it's planning on coming back in the 26 major metropolitan areas where it plays in. So this was almost a nod to them and to this idea that if we're going to do this, we need to do it as thoroughly as possible and try and cover every contingency possible. It is a daunting test. There's no doubt about that. What I've been saying, though, from day one when this started is that, number one, it's the health and safety of the players, the personnel, the traveling party. And then it comes down to what we all don't really want to hear about. Cash, money, Buster Olney of ESPN. In the end, it's about the money and it's about coming up with an agreement. You know, the players uh, and you saw Tony Clark, I mean, dating back two, three weeks, talking about how they're not going to negotiate any more salary rollbacks. Scott Boris, who's, who's viewed as having a lot of influence on Tony Clark's thinking, saying things along the same lines. Uh, and on the other hand, you have the owners saying that, uh, you know, we need rollbacks because we're going to lose so much money if the players don't give us rollbacks. If the players stand on principle and they say, you know, we're against anything that caps earnings, then it's going to be a big problem. The Last Dance, it finished up last night. Ten episodes in the books. So with Randy and Michelle, I was saying we always want the winners and losers of sports, right? We want to talk about those people. Who won this? Pretty simple. Nike. That's who won. I'd say their investment in MJ paid off, and it's going to pay handsomely now in the next few weeks and months. Wayne Larravee called those great Bulls teams. He was on the morning show here on 101 ESPN. Well, every good story has a villain and a hero, right? <laughs> so, And Chicago sports are filled with figures like that. <laughs> it's the greatest sports town in America. There's no question about it. That's not even a debatable fact. It is absolutely the greatest sports town in America. And, you know, um, that Jerry Krause played the role of villain, uh, mostly because the way uh, he did not have great people skills. You mentioned Phil Jackson had great people skills. He did. Jerry Krause did not. And Jerry Krause didn't care about people skills. Uh, he was all about he was a scout at heart and he was all about putting together the best team he could around Michael Jordan. He did a brilliant job with that. Um, but, you know, he had. He and Jerry Reinsdorf had a mentality. Uh, they were baseball people. They were Brooklyn Dodgers kind of people. Uh, they they wanted to move on because they they believed, as Branch Rickey did, that you trade or you get out from under 
the great player a year or two before that player starts to decline. And it's the same thing with this team. They felt this team was on the way down. It had played its best basketball. For them to invest major dollars in this team, even for another year, this was their feeling now, uh, even for another year, um, that would be, you know, that would be foolish money because, again, uh, they're going to pay these guys more than they've ever paid uh, before, and they're not going to get the kind of performance um, uh, that they had just seen. So that was kind of the mentality behind it. Um, now, in the end, Jerry Reinsdorf said, hey, Phil, if you want to come back, you've earned the right, that type of thing. But there was still the feeling that they weren't going to sign Scottie Pippen and that they were going to break up the team around Jordan and try to build another. Yeah. Uh... Got to go for the seventh championship. You have to. Colin, you got Michael Jordan. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Go for the seventh title. I don't care what it costs. You got to do it. If you have principles as an as a front office person, which you have to have in that role, you have to understand that, look, I'm not going to make exceptions to whatever the rule may be. Dan, six championships? Well, that's what I mean. Six Champions. You've earned the right to go for number seven. And if it doesn't work out and Michael Jordan's getting paid $35 million, he's made that and earned that money, pay him. Pay him. Pay Pippen. Do whatever you got to do. Or go to Jordan and say, hey, Pippen hasn't been paid the kind of money that he needs. You're making a ton of money on the side. Will you be willing to accept $20 million? We're going to send another 15 to Scotty. Do you guys want to do this? You want to keep it together? We'll give you one more shot. And I understand that sometimes you hold on to players too long. You fall in love with teams. That's part of sports. But I, he's so unique. And at that time, we're talking about him being the greatest player ever. So if he is, you let him go for that seventh title. I think. I, I do. I think anyone in their right mind would tell you that, Danny <laughs> Mac. But, you know, when egos get involved, yeah. sometimes this is the case. It was this day in baseball history a tall lefty made history. 9.49 now in Atlanta, 6.49 in Arizona, and a 2-2 to Perez. Swing and a miss, and Randy Johnson, at 40 years young, has thrown a perfect game, the seventh in National League history. Awesome, 2004 on a club that wasn't very good, and Randy Johnson at 40 years old throws the perfect game. May 18th of 2004, another lefty almost made history in his Major League debut. Came with a gas, and Votto lines it in the right field, a base hit first hit of the night for the Reds. From Votto, one out into the seventh inning. Seven no-hit innings last night by Ponce de Leon. And now six and a third, no-hit innings. Comes to an end for Austin Gomber. You remember that night, folks? Daniel Ponce de Leon the night before, near no-hitter. Gomber the next night, taking a no-hitter into the seventh after sirens went off at the Great American Ballpark and had a delay. What timing that was. Bad timing. Austin Gomber is coming up on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. One of the guys I can't wait to watch this season, and I'm saying I can't wait to watch this year because I believe there's going to be baseball and it's left-handed pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, Austin Gomber, who's having just a terrific spring. Would have played a role. Not sure what that role may have been this year with the Cardinals, but uber-talented from the left side and a guy that when he made his debut 
was certainly, certainly thought of as one of the top prospects in baseball and considered to be a guy that the Cardinals will count on this year. Austin, as always, good to hear your voice. I hope you and the family are safe. How are things going? Yeah, everything's going well here. You know, just kind of uh, doing what most people are, just trying to find a way to burn time. Um, you know, but everybody's healthy, which is obviously the most important thing. And uh, like you said, man, just looking forward to you know, hopefully being able to you know, get back into the swing of things soon. How, how are guys, and, and maybe you can shed some light on what you're doing, and when you're talking to players, your teammates, or other guys around the league, it's a tight-knit group. How are guys uh, trying to stay in shape, especially on the pitching side? What are, what are some of the things you can do? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, luckily, like, uh, you know, with everything being closed down, you know, you could still go out to, you know, a park or something like that and throw. I think the the biggest difference is probably just as far as just weight training, trying to find as, you know, the equipment as much, because not everybody has, you know, access to a gym or an at-home gym. Um, so that's been really the most challenging thing for probably most guys and definitely for me. You know, it took me a few weeks to kind of, you know, find the lay of the land and try to figure out what I was going to do. But luckily I've been able to throw the whole time, you know, just grab somebody, go to the park. And, you know, most areas, most guys are from, you know, you go back home. So you obviously have people that you play catch with in the off season. So finding a throwing partner wasn't too difficult. So I felt like from an, you know, an arm, just pure arm strength throwing standpoint, you know, I was able to kind of keep up, keep where I was and, you know, that's all, all we're trying to do with this big of a layoff. It's tough to try to, you know, time it up to build up and stuff like that. So it's really, let's just try to maintain as much arm strength as we can and be ready to go when we get the call. We, we all hear the rumors that baseball uh, could come back. So do you try to maybe guess when you come back and say, okay, this would be like my February and, and this is kind of like my March. So I got to ramp it up a little bit more. Or is that... Or are you just trying to kind of like maintain and then when you get there, you get there and whatever that is, it is? Yeah, I think it's the way I'm kind of going about it is just trying to trying to keep my arm strength up so that I'm not going to be caught off guard whenever we do get, you know, the call to show up. Um, but as far as like a build up thing, for me, I'm just trying to stay flexible and just, just be ready to go when I can. It, it's tough to, you know, replicate building up especially in like the atmosphere right now when you don't have, you know, hitters, innings, stuff like that. Um, but it's not hard to keep the arm strength up. So really, um, and that's, that's kind of what I've been hearing from, you know, just people, other guys around the league. It's just, we're going to have to be flexible with this. This is obviously going to be something that we haven't ever seen before. And so, you know, as long as you come in in shape and ready to go, you know, everybody's going to be dealing with the same thing. So at that point, it's just try to build up as fast as you can, but also be smart about it. Um, you know, that's kind of been the big thing, too, is, you know, when we show up, let's be smart about how we build up and stuff like that so that, you know, we don't have injuries. Because, like I said, I mean, none of us have ever done this before. Absolutely. Uh, Austin Gomber is my guest, and I I've been thinking a lot about you because, Last year, and we've been on a bunch of caravans together, so we've gotten to know each other. And, and last year, it was a tough year for you physically. And I know talking with you in spring training, I said, what are you trying to get out of this? And you said, man, I just want to be healthy and get back with the guys. And you did it. And you looked really good. This, is, this has got to be tough on you right now because I know you feel 
I don't know if it's 100%, but you're back, man, and you were showing it in spring training. So how tough has this been on you just to, to itch to get back to the game and show what you can do? Yeah, I mean, it's been, like I said, I mean, it's probably been tough on everybody. It's definitely been tough on me just because from the standpoint of being down in rehab last year, I mean, obviously miss playing, but you really just miss, you know, being around the guys, being, you know, being around the guys that are having breakout years, you know, guys that I came up with, like Paul, you know, not being able to be there, you know, Paul becomes an all-star for the first time and, and Jack blows up and all these guys that, you know, I played with for years in the minor leagues coming up and kind of knew what they were capable of and, and got to see, you know, the process all along the way, but I just wasn't, you know, able to see the finished product in person. So that was really like probably the most frustrating thing was, you know, getting back in spring, just so excited just to be around the guys again, man, just to be there on a daily basis with those guys and, you know, see all the guys that I hadn't got to see in a couple months. And, you know, and then, like you said, just had spring was, you know, I felt like I was throwing the ball pretty well in spring and things were trending in the right direction. And then, you know, it's frustrating that things got shut down, but, um, you know, I think the spring definitely put me in a better spot going forward. And, and, you know, so all I can do is, is stay ready. And then when, you know, when we show up, just try to pick off, pick up where I left off. Austin, how often do you talk to your teammates and then by extension, maybe Mike Maddox and Mike Schilt and just checking in on each other and seeing how things are going? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, we've been in contact as, you know, a group or, Small, like, uh, you know, smaller groups as team Zoom calls with, you know, Shilty and, and Mad Dog. And, you know, I have a weekly call with Mad Dog and training staff. And so the, the communication's been good. You know, it's kind of just been more of, you know, them just checking in how everybody's doing, how the family's doing. Because, like you said, man, we don't know, you know, obviously when they call, you know, how you feel and stuff like that. But the calls more have just been more personal calls. You know, how's sure. your family doing? How, how's your situation going? Just because, you know, Schulte's built a good thing here with, you know, the culture and the cult culture we have in the clubhouse. And, and, you know, it's just been, for us, it's just kind of been normal. You know, obviously we've been away from each other, but the communication and stuff has still been the same. Having come up through the minor leagues, and there's going to be times where there's not a lot of people in the seats to watch a minor league game. Do you think if you're pitching in front of no fans, does it take you back a little bit to maybe what you dealt with in the minor leagues? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be it'll be different. I think just, you know, if we're able to get going and we get to play in Bush, to see Bush empty will definitely be different. Um you know, but it's still it's still competition. It almost, I think, will you know maybe intensify the competition on the field just because it's such a you almost feel like there's nobody there and it's just a one v one. You know, you versus the hitter, uh, no noise. I mean, I'm sure it'll take some adjusting, getting used to. But I think uh, you know, with this layoff, guys are just going to be so excited to get back out on the field that you know I think it'll be this year more than ever will probably be just extremely competitive. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Austin Gomber, my guest, and big, big things expected for the Cardinal left-hander. And I know this one really is going to be a tough question for you to answer. So we may not have a designated hitter, or we may have the DH. So as it pertains to a guy that can slug, like you, Austin, a guy that, you know, you're dying to swing the bat in a game, uh, if there's the DH universally brought into the game, 
are you happy? Are you upset? Do you want to swing the bat? Where where are you from a pitcher's perspective? I mean, I enjoy. I yeah. I mean, I enjoy hitting. Um, obviously, I, obviously, I understand. You know, the people that want the DH in both leagues, just from a pure par- parity standpoint, and also, you know, it creates more jobs, creates more designated hitter jobs. It helps out the players. So anything that helps out the players, I'm for. But I mean, I also wouldn't be mad if I had to keep hitting. You know, I think <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun, man. You know, it, it just takes you back to when you're younger. You know, you get to hit BP every day. Like, I mean. Coming up as a, pretty much once you get to college as a pitcher only, you know, the last thing I'm thinking of is I'm going to be hitting BP daily in Bush Stadium. So that was always cool to me. And, you know, to get to face, like I got to face in 18, I got to get in the box against Clayton Kershaw. Like that, that's cool to me. It's a guy that I've looked up to my whole life. So, I mean, there's some parts of the game that hitting has allowed me to do that, you know, things I'll never forget. But at the same time, I mean, if it's going to be a universal DH, I understand it. You know, I understand it from you know, the business side of things and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I like hitting. And as long as we're allowed to keep hitting, I'm going to keep doing it. You know, I wanted you to come out and say, Danny Mac, I want to rake. Okay. I don't, I don't like I mean, this. I would lo- <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I do want to rake. But I mean, I also, you know, I understand it. Um, and it, and it, to me, at this point, it kind of feels like it's inevitable. You it know, sure does. Kind of been, you know, it's something that I think when it was first brought up, you know, a lot of people kind of fought it off at first. And now I feel like it's just been getting talked about so long that it's inevitable. It's going to happen at some point. So, you know, whenever it does happen, uh, I understand it and it is what it is. Do you ever go back and watch your near no hitter? And do you ever wonder in the near no hitter in your debut in Cincinnati, what the heck was going on with the sirens between innings as you're taking a no hitter late into a game? Um, I mean, I've, I've rewatched it before for sure. Um, no, I mean, it was just like, I was just in such a, like trying to explain, I don't even know. Like if you, I talked to Ponce about it too, because obviously he did the seven Oh hit the night before. And that was both of our first starts. And it was just like, we were in a different zone. Like just the first time out there, I had been able to, you know, have a couple outings in the big leagues at that point, but didn't get to start and that was something that I always wanted to do so like just meant like I don't need I was like blacked out for the whole game <laughs> so like I get that question like people ask me all the time like what were you thinking like I don't even know because they had a pitch hitter out on deck for me the inning before and so I was just hoping I got to stay in the game so then when I ran out there and the fire line went off I, I didn't even think anything of it because I was just like pumped to still be in the game because I thought they were going to take me out to be honest so, absolutely I was um, upset that the sirens went off. Yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't ideal, and I wish it didn't happen. Um, and I feel like I would have more more of a bone to pick, maybe if it was like the ninth inning. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you because know, there, there was still so much more game got to go. Um, and in that park, obviously you've been there a lot. You know, things can go wrong fast there. So, you know. It, it it is what it is. Obviously, I wish it wouldn't have happened, but you know, I I'm, I wasn't really upset about it. Maybe if it was the ninth, that would have been a different story. But you know, nevertheless, it was uh, memorable for sure. Absolutely. I, I I'll wrap it up with this: guys like Yachty, guys like Wayno, you're around them every day. 
pull back the curtain for fans a little bit and and what they meant and have meant to you um, in your career and trying to get you to the next level and and to stay in the big leagues or Yachty guiding th- you through a game or Wayno doing the same thing in a dugout. W- what's it like to be around those two guys? Uh, yeah, so I'll start with Yachty. Um, I mean, quite simply put, I don't know if you saw the stuff that came out recently about, you know, how he wants to be remembered and how he thinks of himself. I mean, that's pretty much how everybody in our clubhouse thinks of him. You know, I think he's the best catcher in baseball and, and one of the best to ever do it. And really just to be able to be lucky enough to come up in the same organization in the same era and just be able to have my first big league start. I mean, that's enough right there that I'll never forget that. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of people that could say, you know, 20, 30 years from now, I got to throw to Yadier Molina. So for me, just being able to just share a clubhouse with him, throw to him, you know, was obviously something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. And then being able just to see how he handled himself. I mean, consummate pro. Uh, there's a reason that he's a fan favorite. He's been here for so long and he means so much to, you know, everybody that has anything to do with the Cardinals organization. And then with Wayno, when people ask me about Wayno, I just, I mean, he's really probably the best guy I've ever met. Like, take out baseball out of it. I mean, you've been around him for a long time. He's just a great human. You know, it, it doesn't really matter, you know, what he does for us young pitchers in the clubhouse and stuff is so small compared to, you know, the person he is off the field and how he is off the field with us that, you know, it's almost, I almost feel like it would be a dig at him to say the best thing he does for us is, you know, groom us and help us grow in our careers because what he does for us is so much bigger than that off the field. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they're both great. That's as, uh, as well put and a compliment as you can give to both those guys. Hey, Austin, I, I want to say thank you very much. I know these are tough times for so many people, but you know, baseball players, too. We're, you know, human beings. We want to get back to work. I know you want to get back to work. Uh, and we're all just trying to stay safe and healthy. So I appreciate your time and can't wait to see you in person in St. Louis. And let's hope it's sooner rather than later. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me on. A lot of fun to visit with Austin Gomber and big. And I mean, big things expected from him. He was really good and finally healthy, as he mentioned, this spring training. So he had the curveball working. He's got one of the best curveballs. Uh, on the staff and in the National League, really in baseball. So looking forward to him and what he could do for the Cardinals, whether it be a starter or maybe that piggyback coming in, long relief, whatever the case may be. But many thanks to Austin Gomber. All right, we'll take a quick timeout coming up. It is our text line, Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Austin came to us in the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and drop us a mic drop, the Rhino Shield mic drop. You are listening to 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 101 ESPN presents Play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the cup every Thursday and Friday night. Hear the replay of two classic games from the Blues' historic run and relive each game with added insight. Behind-the-scenes commentary, Chris Kerber, Joey Vitale, Alex Ferrario. This Thursday night, Blues and Sharks game five. Friday night, Blues and Sharks game six. Pre-game starts at six, at six and then play-by-play at seven. Play Gloria, the St. Louis Blues run to the cup is brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. 
Let's go to a Rhino Shield mic drop. By the way, 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. We're going to jump into those, and we start with Joshua. Hey, Dan. You know, I wouldn't be opposed up, to fight them crowd noise. I know it sounds weird at first, but it's really no different than a television show using a laugh track in the absence of a live studio audience. You know, I, I know this wouldn't happen, but I'd go a step further and say, instead of just having a walk-up song, how about an entire at-bat song? Seems like it'd make it more cinematic. Why not? Why not? I think anything's on the table. I do think that you will have crowd piped in for some of these games. If we have it, uh, whether it's hockey or basketball or baseball, where you really do feed off the crowd. I also think that as it pertains to baseball, especially. So if you don't have a crowd, that means do you really need the netting down the left and right field lines? Probably not, unless you want to put advertising on it. However, if not, that drops and all of a sudden your camera angles become a lot different if you want to make it unique. Now, I'm assuming that they would want limited cameras in there because they want to limit the exposure of people in the ballpark or uh, at the rink and, and certainly in basketball. I also think the use of drones is going to be something that you can do. If you don't have fans, you can use drones. I would be open for that. I would be open to miking up players. Um, I, I think all these things have to be on the table to try to make it as fun a broadcast and presentable broadcast that you can. Now, I heard Chris Kerber talking about how to do a game this morning, and we all very well, whether you're in radio or TV, could be doing it on monitors. Now, if there's home games, maybe we're at the ballpark, uh, and it's set up there, socially distanced, to do it there, and if the team goes on the road, and if we're not part of that traveling party, we would have uh, a lot of camera angles and monitors and different things that we could do the game off the monitors and maybe just kind of set up a home base being at, ball, at, the, at the ballpark. I think that could happen. You might have some people checking in from their homes, you know, your pre- and post-game people, or maybe even the announcers. At this point, you just don't know. I mean, the bottom line is we want to see sports back on your television and try to give you something that uh, takes you away from what we're all dealing with. But, um, again, I think camera angles, drones, piping in sound, I think that's a part of it. I also think playing music at the ballpark is something that's good for the players for their atmosphere. Dan, what would that setup look like when you're calling a game off of a monitor? You would almost need multiple monitors, yeah. right? Because oh, yeah. you need to see what's going on. What what is the what does the outfield look like? Correct. How are guys set up? Those kind of things. There's so many minute details that people might not think about in the big picture that go into trying to call a game. Well, if if it's a normal game, so if I'm doing a normal game, the only time I ever really go to the monitor is if there's a fly ball. And it's got a chance to be caught at the wall. Kind of learned that as I went along is that it's it's tough to see it live. Because sometimes you, you may see it go into the glove or out of the glove, pop out of the glove. But if that ball is being um, followed by the camera, I, I just say there's a long fly ball. And I go straight to the, the monitor and call it off the monitor. There are some ballparks like Wrigley, for instance. It, if the ball goes down into the corner, you can't see it. So there's no monitor or anything, that, or at least live, you can't see it. So you got to go to the monitor. Um, and to your point, uh, I agree with you that um, you're going to have to have multiple cameras set up to have an idea of who's warming up in the bullpen. Like when the Cardinals are warming up, I can usually just by watching the the pitcher warm up i can tell how he throws who it is i don't necessarily need to say 
you know, hey, show me a shot of who's warm up in the bullpen. I know when Jordan Hicks is warming up, I can see flames coming out of his hand. I can see that there's one or two lefties. <laughs> you know, it's either Gomber or Miller or Brett Cecil or whatever. And, you know, their body mannerisms, how they walk, how they catch the ball, all those things. When you watch a guy every single day, you know who it is. You don't need to see the number. You don't need to see the name on the back. But that's with baseball, and baseball is different than a continuous moving sport like hockey and and basketball, at least in my opinion, and especially with shifts. I mean, think about that. You know, if if Matt Carpenter's up and I can't see if they're shifting against him, that makes it tougher. But if it's it's you know it's it's going to be different. But so what? I mean, just roll with the punches, do the best you can, get sports back on the air, and I think that would be very very important. Three one four, love your show. This has been a nice. Addition to 101. Thank you very much. How would you see Austin Gomber's role materializing in the Cardinals' bullpen? It's a good question because when you think about a normal season, those roles evolve as you go. You're not going to have time to really do that. If it's an 82-game season, you got to come out ready to play and ready to win. Um, he had a really good camp, and I think if he was healthy the year before, you would have been talking about him being in your starting rotation, and now he's certainly part of your, let's say, 30. you got 30 guys. He's going to be part of that. Um, and if starters aren't going deep early into games, he is one of those guys that's probably going to be built up in spring training as a starter, and maybe he does start, but if not, he piggybacks and gives you three to four innings, and as the uh, season progresses um, and he starts to emerge as a guy that's really having success and somebody else is not, maybe you flip-flop those roles because you'd want to have that starter go beyond just three or four um, you know, three or four innings. Uh, this is from the 715. Think about Shambi and them doing the play-by-play on Korean games and he's in New York. Just a thought. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what's going on. You're going to need really good interaction from the guy that's next to you. You, you may want to bring in um, former players. I mean, I think I think that fans would love to hear from David Freeze or Larry Walker going into the Hall of Fame or Ted Simmons going to the Hall of Fame. Make it unique. We've done that before. We've had an inning where we just kind of dedicated it to that particular player and brought him in over the phone. And not necessarily a Skype or a Zoom call, but just, hey, voice of Larry Walker joining us from whatever. And we're talking with him as the game goes along. And that's something in baseball that you have the opportunity to do. It's a slower-moving game. There might be some action. You might miss a call or something like that, but you can see it. That's the beauty of television. Radio would be a different deal, I would think. But uh, with television, you know, bringing in Jim Hayes with, and you know, uh, uh, you know, some type of player or former player and have him interview that guy. I think all that's, um, I think that's all on the table. This is from the 314. Dan, you treated my family to a game several years ago when my brother was still with us, going down on the field for BP, up in the booth for an inning. Treasure I'll never forget. Glad to hear that. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see, 913. Uh, first, love the show. Love your takes and insights on things. Great stuff. Second, do you think all this back and forth and negotiations is setting up for bigger and uglier talks for the CBA and may look at a work stoppage ahead? I'd like to not think that way. Um, however, there is a CBA that's up after next season, not this year, but next season. And 
maybe, you know, Buster Olney really did a, an interesting piece over the weekend on ESPN saying how this could set up the talks for what we have going forward. And I agree with him. You know, I think the bottom line is get on the field, however it looks, no fans in the stands. People want baseball. I do think it's important to get sports back. I think it's important for the American psyche. I think we need to look forward to things. Baseball in this town is unlike any other town in America, in my opinion. Um, here in St. Louis, we want it. We need it. Let's get it back. Um, I would hate to see if it comes down to money. That, that no one wants to hear that. That's, I mean, that's not debatable. It, it's just, it's just not debatable. People don't want to hear about it. So, I was, I was saying with the fast lane the other day when we were talking about Blake Snell's comments. I agree with the premise of what he was saying. You know, players' health is first and foremost. But the way it came out, I didn't agree with that. And so if I'm the Players Association, I'm just telling my guys, look, if you go on interviews, you're asked about it, just refer to our executive committee. And the number one thing we want to do is get back on the field, play baseball, and entertain America. And I know that's very simplistic. And I, it's not my life that's going on the line to go between the white lines. It's theirs. So it's risk management. Risk management. How much risk are you willing to take? And I think we're going to find out here in the next couple of weeks. This is 101 ESPN. And a reminder, Hubbard's Deserving Deliveries saying thank you to those helping for our community. Today's very deserving delivery is to the great folks working at St. Luke's Hospital in Chesterfield. Their awesome staff will be enjoying 100 meals today delivered by Surf and Sirloin. And those meals are courtesy of Hubbard St. Louis and our good friends at Two Men in a Truck. Thank you, Two Men in a Truck. And our continued gratitude to all those great folks working in our medical community on the front lines. From our state and the entire Hubbard St. Louis radio family. We'll cross it over with Ribs and BK next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1049 here in St. Louis. Ribs and BK, this is the crossover. They've got you coming up from 11 until 2 and... Uh, I don't know, BK. I mean, we had live sports on our TVs this weekend. It was like, I don't know, normalcy to an extent. Did you watch any of it? I got to be honest, I didn't watch. I watched uh, a bunch of it. Did you? Yeah, I did, especially when it was raining outside, so I didn't want to uh, go out in the rain. So I watched, uh, with a keen eye, a little bit of the NASCAR. I'm not a NASCAR guy. Um, Doesn't mean I don't appreciate the sport, just not my deal. But I thought what they did with the drones in the broadcast was pretty cool. And it made me think that you could do that in other sports if, if you have no crowds. Um, and the golf was interesting just because it was interviews and mic'd up players. I wish I would have heard a little bit more of that as it went along. That's one thing that I want to see from other sports. Like the NBA, I think it was Steph Curry who came out over the weekend saying he thinks that if they're actually able and willing to do it, yeah. they could get some really good stuff from the players during the game. There's two things that I have questions about. A, would the league allow it? And B, would the players be up to continue talking the same way that they would if they weren't mic'd up? It would have to be, in my opinion, so like the charity event over the weekend in golf, you know, the guys knew they were mic'd up, right? So, hey, fellas, remember where you're at. Remember no F-bombs. We don't need that kind of stuff. No no course language. We don't want that, okay? Remember, just remember you're on mic, you know? But when you're in the heat of the moment, right, it's kind of tough to do that. So one of the ways you could have it is that it would be, you know, live to tape. So, right. you know, you go to a break and the producer and the director and the, the the folks on the broadcast would say, hey, here's a great interchange between 
Steph Curry and, and Steve Kerr, you know, and, and we've got doing it. that, I don't want the, let's go, guys, let's go, right, get yeah. back on. To, like, I need the real stuff if we're going to do that, because the, the mic'd up segments that we get right now, it's it's all nonsense for the most part. What about in-game interviews? I'm into that. I loved what they were doing with those in spring training. Yeah, I thought um, it was cool, too. I thought some of them were really good. I know the Cubs was the one that probably got the most publicity because they were very real on camera and on, on the audio. I just, again, in a season, I wonder if the players would be as open to that kind of stuff as they were in a spring training game that ultimately doesn't matter in the standings. Right, and I think that's why they did it then, or in an all-star game, which is an exhibition, you know, you're able to get away with it then, but, um, you know, I, I just think that if you do it, it can be done, it can be interesting, but the buy-in has to be from the players. So the XFL, I thought, did a great job with that. Whether you liked the competition on the field or whatever you thought of the product, it still was interesting to see coaches going over game plans inside a huddle, hearing the cadence of the of the uh, the quarterback. I mean, those kind of, those kind of things are cool. I, I do think it takes you into the game. And if you were able to hear Steph Curry, Paul Goldschmidt, Colton Wong, whatever. That's interesting to me, that and that brings you into the game. Or imagine a starting pitcher right after the end of an inning coming back over to the the dugout or wherever he's going to be sitting at any given time, it sounds like, and being able to go through some of the at-bats that he just pitched. I mean, I'd love to hear that kind of stuff. Imagine Adam Wainwright doing that after coming out for the inning. We did that back in the mid-2000s, and people don't remember this, but Joe Buck was doing the play-by-play, and he was with Al, and I'd be down in the clubhouse. And so we would get the guy if the game was going well or if the if the starter felt comfortable enough or if a pinch hitter that was out of the game. So the player was out of the game. Um had something that was they could talk about to try to bring you in the game. So they would throw it down to me and I remember doing an interview like with Woody Williams one time and Woody we would just go right outside the the clubhouse. And he was out of the game. He went six or seven innings, and we talked about it. You know, well, hey, what was going on in the fifth inning with this? What were you thinking in the third inning facing Sammy Sosa or whatever it was? And it was incredibly interesting to get that perspective in the game. Now, players would be very careful, I would think. Like, so, for instance, if you went to Woody Williams and said, how did you approach Sammy Sosa in the third, and let's go sequence with it, I don't think they would do that because – then all of a sudden, what if Sammy Sosa is coming up in the eighth or the ninth and facing your bullpen guy, and right. that was kind of your game plan going against him? That's what you thought about getting him out? I think he'd have to be careful with that. But you could get some general stuff out of him that still would be of interest for a fan. I do believe that. Yeah, and being able to take you through like the recall that these guys have, I think that's one of the things that we've kind of learned on the Michael Jordan series, for instance, is these games are 20, 20 and 25 years ago, and right. yet some of the guys remember exactly how it happened, exactly what the sequencing was within that moment or that game. And what now we're talking about going back 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I would love to see it. I think it's a great idea. I just, again, it goes back to your idea of it has to be a buy-in from the players. If you can get that buy-in, if they're willing to go there, then it'll be fantastic. If they're not willing to buy in, just like anything, it's going to be something that ultimately falls a little flat. So what if the Blues and Cardinals are playing in a week? How how much are you going to watch? How much do you think the fan base is going to watch? What do you think those ratings would be like? Oh, monstrous. Monstrous. Yeah. First of all, there's nothing else on television right now. Like, nothing else is being produced for TV the way, like, entertainment-wise. Not even just sports. But there's there's very little new television coming out right, right now. So, I mean, the, the ratings would be astronomical. And I think it's, like I've said from day one, um, 
blank canvas. Like Mike's on players, interview the the manager. Maybe you make it to where you're going to visit with tomorrow night's starter. I mean, all those things are going to have to be part of the interactive experience of a game. And maybe Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram becomes part of the presentation of your game, too. So you're interacting with the fans as you go along as well. And you can get it sponsored, right? So this is a new yeah. way to make a little bit more money off of the games. You've got revenue that you have to make up in new ways. You're going to have to include these fans in a way to make sure that everybody that can be engaged is engaged. And that's how you make up not, not all of the revenue. They're not even going to be able to get close to that. But if you can get a drop in the bucket, that's a lot more than nothing. So I, I think it's absolutely going to be something they have to consider. What do you have coming up on the show? Coming up at 1130, Buster only. He uh, he ended up mowing his lawn instead of coming on with <laughs> us on Friday. So okay. he'll be on with us today at 1130. Coming up at noon, Scott Burnside, he had a great story for uh, The Athletic over the weekend of what a 24-team playoff would look like in the NHL. So we'll talk to him about that coming up at noon. Looking forward to it. BK and Ribs, they've got you at 11 on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.